I went to to a motocross track with a, a bunch of my friends. Um, oh man, and just having you know, just having a fat jaw with them, and at the end of the day, I got got a bit tired, and I wasn't actually too. I'm not too sure still now what happened, but I think my throttle jammed open before before a jump. I probably hit this thing at about 100 kilometers an hour so it just sent me skyrocketing I overjumped the landing by about 20 meters I remember thinking to myself the lap before I'm like Shish, I'm a bit tired but I was like I can't let this lighty beat me <laughs> so so I kept on going and yeah I hit the jump and I just remember from hitting it so fast the the suspension didn't handle hitting the jump that hard so the front wheel kind of lifted quite high up in the air and I just remember all of a sudden like both my feet were on the right hand side of the bike and I had so much time because I was up there for so long that I was able to pull the clutch and hit the back brakes with my left foot get the front wheel down and still try get my foot over so I could land with my feet on the bikes but yeah I, I just actually I, I had to make a split second decision and I ended up throwing the bike away I do remember hitting the floor it was quite a quite an intense feeling that so just yeah it was just instant pain and I actually passed out Um, I completely shattered my right foot like it turned into mashed potatoes Um, broke my left foot as well broke my back and my ribs in this accident the pain didn't really, it, it was it was intense, but it didn't kick in severely at that moment. Um, I remember I still tried to like stand up and I just said to the guys, I'm, I'm broken, something's badly wrong here. Um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it is hard to explain because I, I try not to think about it too much. Um, you know, it was quite, quite a big trauma in my life. This is Travis Warwick Oliver, or as he's become known, Turbo Trav. He's describing the second time he was involved in a serious motocross accident. But this time, the damage to his foot was so severe, mashed potatoes, Travis would say, it would never fully recover and lead him to make a decision that nightmares are made of. That's coming up in this episode of Keeping It Wild. I'm your host, Blake Dyson. Who are you and who were you and what did you do before you had an accident? Um, yeah, so sure, my whole life I've been extremely sporty. Um, started off swimming for for KZN, um, swam for South Africa once. Yeah, so pretty much growing up my whole life just in the pool swimming. Um, I'm a twin brother, so we were just very competitive all the time, just trying to beat each other. Um yeah, and then we went to, to high school, to Marisburg College, and we actually started racing motorbikes and grew a massive passion for, for the riding. So we kind of, you know, veered off from, from swimming and put all our effort and time into into racing. And yeah, we, my put and I raced semi-professionally for about 10 years. And then Turbotrav had his first accident. Sheesh, man, I, I, in 2000 and 
15, 14, sorry, I had a, I had quite a massive accident on a motocross track and I blew my, my left knee out completely. So I did ACL, MCL, LCL, PCL, tore my quad off, tore my calf off. Um, just, yeah, I was lying on my stomach on the floor and I turned over onto my back and I looked down and my foot was still facing the other way around. And uh, that put me out for a good couple of years. Um, so I ended up actually um, traveling over to Ireland where yeah, I worked and lived on my uncle's farm in Ireland and um, just, yeah, just pretty much drank beer and got a bit fat. And um, eventually the one night I was there with my uncle and I, de- I decided I want to go watch all my friends race motorbikes in Romania. So after a couple of beers, I said to my uncle, I was like, yo, how, how do you reckon I can get over to, to Romania the cheapest way? So he's like, oh man, just cycle across there. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I went on to Gumtree that night and I bought a bicycle and I left a month later and I cycled, cycled across um, Ireland, across UK and, and from Holland to, to Romania. Um, and that took me a month and a half to two months long. Um, camped on the side of the road, camped in the forests, just, yeah, I was on my ace. I was 10, no, 15 kgs heavier than I am now. I had an even bigger beard than I do now. Um, so yeah, that's actually pretty much where all my adventurous journey started. Following his adventure through Europe, Travis would return to South Africa and slowly start riding again. At first, for fun, and then later, more competitively, and then, crash. He'd be out again. But in the time before his accident, Travis was exposed to adventure of a different nature, which would lead him into the mountains and onto the trails. So I did um, Golden Gates, um, a few KZN trial running events, and then Lesotho Ultra 52km race before my accident. Those runs sparked my, my love for trail running. Um, and uh, yeah, I had the accident and I actually kind of forgot about riding because I was so interested in my, my trail running now. Um, and I, you know, I wanted to do, I wanted to do more. And then this accident happened and I was just lying there thinking, flip, if I just didn't ride, I'd be running. And I really loved the running side of it. So I found like I had a new passion. And um, what was it about trail running that grabbed you? Shish, man, there's nothing, there's no feeling like that feeling when you're running and you're floating. Like it's effortless, you know? Um, yeah, not even adrenaline beats that feeling. Eh? It's just so natural and so pure. But also another thing why I love the running is because it's like one, you know, it's one of the simplest things a human can do, yet it's literally the hardest thing you can do. Um, I felt no pressure to perform. I still, I still don't ever feel pressure to perform. I just love being out there. A victory for me as a finish. Um, yeah, you know, the Riding takes you into the pits and takes you into the pain cave, but nothing like a, a nice long, long, long run, hey? Um, that feeling of conquering something, the distance or a time or 
you know just getting through that pain cave is yeah it's quite it's quite quite addictive um But that second accident, the one that turned Travis's foot into mashed potato, would nearly end his trail running ambitions before they even started. Over a period of a year, Travis would have seven surgeries trying to reconstruct his foot. And he'd go from rehab to surgery and back again. Even after months of rehab, he was never pain-free. And then one day, while training for a 16-mile swim, everything changed. Yeah, so I started, I started, I entered 16 mile with my mile 60 miler, which was in February uh, 2021. Um, yeah, and I was training, everything was going well. And all of us, like this one day I went to the dam and I was just doing my normal training and, and I got this really like terrible hot flush and my, my foot never ever hurt in the water. And all of a sudden it was just on fire and stinging and burning. Um, so I phoned my doctor that day and he said, yeah, come in. So I went in and we had some scans done and just, you know, from the serious damage, I had this, this uh, I don't know if you call it a condition, but I had avicular necrosis. So that's, that's when your, your bones don't get sufficient blood supply. So they pretty much die. So my foot had shrunk about, so about five centimeters shorter than my other foot because the bones were all dying and collapsing. So the foot was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and this was causing a lot of nerve damage and you know a lot of tissue damage um, so yeah I actually I was driving back from the dam the one day and my doctor phoned me and he's like Trav listen this 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 is what's happening and I remember just bursting out in tears because I was like I can't I can't do this anymore I was like this is just absolutely ridiculous like everything has been going so well like I've been doing so well and now this has just hit me again um, so yeah, you know, I did a, I did a lot of, lot of research, chatted to my doctors, tried to, yeah, chatted to friends. Um, the doctors said that they wanted to do a full fusion of my foot, so they pretty much get a 90 degree elbow, and they bolted into your shin bone and they bolted into your foot bone, so you, your foot never can move again, um, which means you. Yeah, which means you'll never run again. You know, you'll walk with a limp. Um, you can cycle, but you know, you don't have the same range. And it actually it scarred me the thought of being like that for the rest of my life. I mean, if I sat behind a, a office all day and I, I did office work, you know, it would it would suit my lifestyle, but it just it just didn't. So, uh yeah. I mean, from a few months before, I kind of knew that I'd probably end up having an amputation one day because of, you know, prosthetics are so advanced these days that you can do what whatever you want with them, pretty much. So I started chatting to these guys in Durban, um, and I chatted to this one mate of mine, Chris, and he's like, bro, just pop into to Durban. You can, I've got a point with my prosthesis. Um, just come have a chat with them and get a feel for what it's like being an amputee. So I drove down to Durban and I got out my car and I was hobbling down the road and this Chriso jumped out his car and he ran down the parking lot doing like a rugby sidestep on his prosthetic foot and I was like, sold. <laughs> I was like, right, I know exactly what I'm doing. And that 
Right there was the moment Travis decided to amputate his leg. And nothing would change his mind. And I'm not going to lie, so the guys from Durban Prosthetics, um, Daryl and Luvan, I went into the room and they looked at me and like, you know, they, they, they were like, don't cut your leg off. Like, yes, this is, like, why would you want to cut your leg off? And like, they literally just gave me the whole rundown of why I should not do this. They told me, you know, you can have intimacy problems with your partner if she looks down and she sees you got one leg. You know, you get phantom pains when you get up in the middle of the night and you don't have your leg on, you have to hop around. And, you know, they just broke, they, they gave me the, the, the dead honest truth, which I needed to hear because, I mean, it's, you, can't just, you can't just tell someone, yeah, you know, it's going to be all good when maybe it's not. Um, but I was just so set to my ways after seeing Chris run down the pavement like that. I was like, guys, oh, I don't care what you say. I'm doing this. Um, so, yeah, they gave me a doctor's number. Went to an appointment with this doctor. Kind of had to get sign off from the doctor that, you know, my foot's in such a bad state that they will allow it. Um, came back to, to Hilton, spoke to my doctors here. And, you know, it was really hard telling my doctors because I became such good friends with them. Still very good friends with them now. You know, hand, hats off to them. They tried their best. Um, told them that this is the decision I've made. Um you know, I think they can't tell me that that was the best decision that I made, but I, I, I think they they wanted to say that. Um, and then, yeah, I had to start telling my family. And the, the hardest thing about, you know, I accepted it. I was excited. The hardest thing about this whole thing, so was so my girlfriend, by the way. When I told her I'm doing this, she's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was super, super supportive. Um no, she just, yeah, she, I mean, no, I, I, I've got a really good poker face. I'll put on a brave smile. Uh, yeah, I was, I didn't show anyone how I was actually feeling. And she, you know, she was my boxing bag at home every day. So I think she was just quite excited to to see a pain-free Travis again. Yeah, so the hardest thing about it was actually telling my parents, to be dead honest. Like, in my mind, I was set on what I was doing. The doctor said, I've got an appointment next week or the week after. I was like, okay, let me give it a week. I'll give it, you can do it the week after. So I literally went to see him and I had two weeks to tell people that I'm doing my amputation in two weeks' time. And then, yeah, so yeah, the, the day of the amputation came and to be 100% honest with you, I wasn't nervous at all. I was excited. No, I was excited. I, was, I had enough. What motivated, like, clearly you can't, like, you go for an operation, you come back, you're back at day one, like, that is devastating, like, <laughs> like, it could, it, like, could kill all hope, like, what, what, what were those go-to things that made you just, like, be like, okay, I'm gonna start again, and it's gonna be okay, and I'm gonna be better, like. Yeah, I think it's because I don't like people telling me what I can and can't do. <laughs> No, I just, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm active. I, I, it's, it's why, you know, it's my purpose in life is to be active. Um, always have been, always will be. So I just wanted to get back up and get going again. And yeah, I just, you know, just tried not to let anything stop me doing that. So. And indeed, not even losing a leg could stop Travis. Shortly after his amputation, he set his sights on something pretty spectacular. Even for elite athletes with all their limbs, Ultra Trail Drakensberg, 100 miler. I actually ran Kalklu 50 miler exactly six months after my amputation. Um, ugh, I don't know, hey? Why? 
you know, I did Kaklu 50 miler and I finished and I woke up the next day and I felt fine. You know, I didn't, uh, it took me almost 16 hours to do the 50, 50 miles. So, you know, nothing spectacular, but it was a finish. Um, and then, yeah, I just started running and I just started feeling amazing. And, you know, I actually started feeling that I was a better runner all of a sudden. Like, I think something just sparked the, that fight in me. a lot of the times when I'm going through pain and in the pain cave I think you've been through worse so just keep going buddy so yeah man drove up to drove up to Sony Pass Hotel and got there and you know the whole drive you're like thinking oh sheesh I'm about to run in those mountains and they get closer and closer and bigger and bigger and yeah we got to got to Sony Pass and you know everyone was quite relaxed and chilled um, this was on the Thursday. Um, then, yeah, we went and sat outside and looked onto Sony Pass, had a few beers, had some dinner, woke up the next morning at four o'clock. This was still dark and then jumped in the van and headed off to, to the border. And then we were driving up um, Sony Pass and it was just the most amazing sunrise I think I've ever seen. And, you know, I think I was also just so present in the moment that you just absorb it all. So, um so yeah, and then we got to the, hotel, uh, the highest pub at the top and you can start feeling the vibe, eh? And then everyone starts kitting up and getting ready and, you know, everyone's giving each other hugs and, you know, there's such a good vibe at the top there. Um, everyone's equal at the top, that's how I feel. And then we had five minutes to go and I don't know what the song is called, but... They play this song at the top there when everyone's standing before the arch to get going. Flip through, I nearly started crying. It's like the most emotional. <laughs> it just sends goosebumps and shivers down your spine. Um, so, I mean, the end of the song comes and Lee's like, okay, it's time to go. And we're off. Yeah, so when, when I get running, you know, it, I run and then I stop. And I run and I stop because I constantly have to change and adjust. And I sweat quite a, I've got a silicone liner that I put over my stump. And then that's got a seal that goes into the prosthetic leg, which is a vacuum. And uh, just because you can't lose that vacuum, it has to be airtight. So I sweat a hell of a lot in there. And after you take it off, probably, I mean, in the beginning, I was taking my, my leg off cheapest every five kilometers. So <laughs> sorry to everyone that I passed about 50 times. <laughs> I was feeling good and I was feeling strong while running. I just had to stop and take my leg off too much. And then we went to Stone Lodge from there, which was the 32k mark. Um, some people already had pulled out of the race with with altitude sickness, and you know, so a lot of people had stomach issues. Um, and you know, I was feeling super good, eh? Um, I got there at about four o'clock, headed out for Black Mountain. Sheepers, that is one hell of a hole. Like, mates. It's like take three steps and try catch your breath again because of the altitude. 
take three steps and go. I'm pretty sure the top guys run the whole thing, but yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like that. Um, and now I got to the summit of Black Mountain in the dark. Um, so the sun had gone down, head, headlamp on. You know, this is where having a good team really starts to, to kick in. Um, so I would come in, sit down, you know, my, my guys, Bryce and Darren, Matt, Rob, Tim, Dave, um, everyone was just so on form. I'd sit down, someone would take my leg off, I'd take my liner off, I'd hand it to Matt, he would clean it. Tim would get me food, someone would change my bottles. So like, I was like proper factory Formula One racing pit stop compared to everyone else. Like, <laughs> I had it, I had the dream team. Um, but yeah, it was quite cool. I, I did. I was feeling quite sore. Um, I did the first 60Ks on my running blade. Um, and when it got really technical, so with the running blade, because you set it up for running, obviously when you're running, you put a lot more pressure on each individual foot than when you're walking. So it's quite, it's set quite a lot higher. So I had to walk a lot in the in the last bits to Black Mountain. So I was getting, my back and my hips were getting quite sore from the different levels that the blade put my hips at. Um, so we just decided, we had a good think about it and just decided from from Black Mountain to top of Tabana and back to Sony Backpackers, I would put my, just my everyday walking leg on. Um, so yeah, we did that and I actually walked a total of 13 hours non-stop walking because I couldn't run because I didn't have my running leg on. And uh, that's that's when my problem started. Um, and then, yeah, so we had we were sitting at the top there of um, of Lesotho and we were thinking, okay, Trav, got to go down Sony Pass now and got to traverse 12 impossibles. What leg do I put on? So I was just thinking, I was like, shish, man, do I, I mean, is it, how technical is it? How much walking am I actually going to be doing? And the guys are like, oh, your legs are probably very tired. You're going to be doing a lot of walking. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll just keep this this walking leg on. And, you know, the walking leg's made for your everyday walking. It's not made for fast-paced hiking, rock steep. So coming down... Um, Sony Pass, I stopped about five times just on that five kilometer stretch because I was walking fast, feeling good, and uh, I felt like my stump was again hitting the bottom of, of my socket. Took my leg off, put a sock on to fill my leg up more, and when I put the sock on, because, because I actually hadn't shrunk volume on my stump, it was just because that leg's not made for that kind of impact. Um, that created too much volume on my leg so my my leg didn't go all the way into the socket so now what that does is it creates like a suction at the bottom so you kind of get like a hickey on the bottom of your of your stump because of the suction it's not touching the bottom and that's where my blistering started yeah i got to the bottom and i was in serious pain hey um you know i went from feeling on top of the world to to being completely broken um Again, the guys and girls at the water tables there kept me motivated, gave me coke, fed me. It was quite awesome. And then I, I veered off Sony Pass and I started, um, you know, traversing 12 apostles. And this is when all the 100-kilometer um, leaders started passing me. Yes, so, you know, the trail running, again, the trail running community, such an amazing bunch of people. I mean, the guys would, the, the winners would stop 
give me a high five, give me a hug and say, well done, Travis, you're doing so well. I was like, what? I was like, this is crazy. Um, I didn't know so many people were following me um, throughout the race. The leading girls, you know, it was it was quite quite a thing to to have people of that caliber stop while winning a race or coming second in a race and, and give me that, that, that motivation. But yeah, I was in a world of pain going through there. Hey, um, the, the, the stump was not happy at all. It was so agitated. So so red. I developed like quite a few blisters behind my knee. Um, I actually started bleeding behind my knee and the blister on the bottom of my stump was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then, oh, Alexis Berg, the, the the legend himself, caught up with me on on route doing twelve impostles, and he actually he walked with me for about seven hours, um, taking them. Uh, um, if you go check out um, my socials, you'll see the the photos that he got of me are oh, just spectacular, and they they show a whole bunch of emotions. They show the the you know the scenery, the routes, just how massive this race actually was and you know I can't thank him enough for for pushing me through those seven hours because I just wanted to stop eh? I was I nearly pulled out at um, salt and pepper I was like I can't go any longer my stump is just ridiculously sore you know there's no point why am I doing this to myself I'm supposed to be having fun you know every time something new would come into my brain like some excuse of why I should give up and um yeah, he just kept pushing me and just, you know, he didn't push me, he just, he was there. So yeah, I carried on and I got to the bottom and, you know, it, again, everything changed. I got to the bottom, I saw my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, everyone was there and I was like, right, I'm taking this stupid walking leg off and I'm putting my bloody running leg on and I'm running. So I put my running leg on and I actually ran. I mean, I passed, I think I passed, I went from about 76th to about 38th or 42nd within the next 15 kilometers. I was feeling on top of the world. Like, I was like, this is amazing. How can I feel like this after 100 kilometers? And this was, I mean, 80 kilometers previously was the furthest I've run. So it's just, it's really cool. And and the course flattened out a hell of a lot. You know, there are a lot more runnable sections in South Africa. Lesotho was just, you know, rocks, water, mud. That's pretty much it. It was just, you know, you're in, in, the, in the pits there. Um, so it was quite refreshing. And because I'd walked for 13 hours, running was easy for me. Like I hadn't used those muscles. So I was actually pacing it really cool. Um Got to this one aid station and um, uh, Joe Kepler, after finishing, her and her husband Dave, who I'm really good friends with, um, they came to, I'm trying to think, I think it was Cobham Road Crossing. And Joe walked back like four kilometers on the track after just doing 160Ks, her son and Dave and my family. And they she walked with me for like 4K. So she did an extra 8Ks after just winning UTD just to come say hello to me and, you know, push me along the way, which is flipping amazing. I don't know how she did that. Um, yeah, and then we got to got to Cobham Road Crossing and uh, Joe's, Joe's husband, Dave Kepler, he would hate that I just called him Joe's husband, um, he jumped on and got running with me. And the, this is where I made some serious ground on everyone and I was feeling strong. I mean, 
I think, again, I passed about 15 people running with Dave. Um, and that took us to, to the old duck where we had to have a compulsory medical. You know, I got into old duck and I just saw corpses. It was just people were f- finished. You know, when you look at someone and they look at you, but they're not there, there was quite a lot of that there. And I was thinking, holy crap, how am I feeling so good? Like I'm feeling amazing. My leg was all right. Felt better than it did coming down Sony Pass, but it was still, you know, it was still quite sore. And, uh, you know, every now and then I'd have a patch where it got sore and it would, it would ease up again. Um, so at this point, my girlfriend, Tyler, she, she kitted up and she was now going to be my pacer um, to, to the, through the next two checkpoints. And uh, shit, man, sun went down for the second day. Oof, I just took a turn for the worst. I think like that exhaustion and fatigue just kicked in. Um, I got pretty delusional after, you know, not sleeping for, at that point was cheapest, 30 something hours. So like I was walking, but I felt like I was sleeping. And, uh, you know, I, I kept saying to my girlfriend, I'm like, is that the finish line I can, I can hear? And she's like, no, we're not even close. <laughs> and, you know, hats, hats off to her because she pulled me through some serious dark places, hey? You know, yes, I, all I kept saying to her is like, I just want to sleep. Like, that's all I wanted to do was just sleep. And, um, you know, at this point, because I started walking again, my, my, my stump just took a complete turn for the worst. Um, you know, like every, every step I take was just intense pain and that pain just like I felt like it was draining everything out of me like all my energy was just getting destroyed sure man it was just tough eh that last my last couple of kilometers I'd say the last 10k's for me were just it was just excruciating pain I was so close to the end I was I was at 130k's and I wanted to finish like I had to finish um, so I just pushed through and I, you know, I slowed down a hell of a lot from running super fast being on top of the world to hardly being able to take a step because I had such big blisters on the bottom of my stump. The rest of my body was fine. Um, just, you know, just that stump was completely mangled. So we got to this aid station. Um, yeah, I was broken. Hey, I mean, I, I didn't even want to talk to anyone. Um, ate some food, drank some coffee, had some soup, and then I went and had my 20 minutes sleep. And uh, the guys came and woke me up, and I felt good. Like I woke up straight away, got everything sorted, put all my stuff on my leg, and I put my leg into my socket. Um, and it was just obviously from having my leg out of the socket for so long and sleeping, it swelled up a lot, and a lot of fluid went into the blister. So I had a massive, massive blister. It was like the size of a golf ball on the bottom of my stump. And uh, I put my leg on, and as soon as the sock went on, I just screamed because there was so much pain. It was, oh, I took three steps and I stopped. And I just put my head on my paws, and I'm like, I can't, like, I can't carry on if it's like this. Stood up again, took another five steps, put my head on my paws, and it was just so sore. It was actually like 
make me want to pass out. So my girlfriend came there and uh, said to her, I was like, I can't, I, was, hey, I have to finish. I can't pull out at 142 Ks. I said, I've got 20 Ks to go and I'm finished. Like I can't come this far and just stop. And, uh, oh, you know, we just chatted about it for a while and it just wasn't worth going through the pain for that long. And, you know, I did cry a little bit like a little girl but you know it, it was quite emotional for me I was so close and the goal was to get to the finish line and I couldn't get there not because of my body but because of my my stump you know my amputation and that that went through my mind a lot thinking that it's how this is so unfair I'm feeling so good but I still feel like I should have finished but I didn't and it's just the way things go you know we live and we learn I'm entering next year and I'm going to finish and get that ball next year. So yeah, you know, I'm, I've, I'm changing my mindset, but I'm, I'm proud of myself and everyone, I mean, cheapers, my social media has gone absolutely bonkers. Um, people are just telling me how amazing it was that I got that far and, you know, yeah, it's, it's quite cool that I... A year after amputation was able to just be at the start line of UTD 100 miler. It is all incredible. And that's all we have time for today. We can't wait to support Travis on his next adventure. Head over to his social media, Turbo Trav, and give him a follow. And don't forget to support his organization, Rejuvenate SA helping provide mobility to those in need one step at a time. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to your favorite podcast platform and give us a like, a follow, and share it with your friends and trail community. Till next time, keep well and keep wild.